Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Today, the voice of the Washington football team, Bram Weinstein and I close out the regular season with a victory podcast. The first one in more than a month as Washington snapped a four-game losing streak in beating the Giants 22-7 to close out the regular season. There's obviously not a lot to rehash from this game, but there were some notable performances today that Washington hopes is a preview of the future. There are also some big topics to start discussing as the season ends. You can follow Bram on Twitter at RealBramW, and you can read my work on ESPN.com. We have a season wrap-up on the site now, plus Washington's home and away schedules for 2022. It looks a lot, excuse me, looks a little bit more sane than this year's schedule. But at this point, who the heck knows how teams will look in the spring and even when the season begins. With that, let's jump into my conversation with the voice of the Washington football team, Bram Weinstein, Antonio Gibson, Terry McLaurin, Jamin Davis, and more bigger picture topics. Graham, we don't need to spend a lot of time rehashing decisions in this game or anything like that. Regular season finale, we know what it meant. But I, there are some things to take from this game. So I'm curious from your perspective, what are some of your takeaways after they beat the Giants? I'm not surprised the result at all. Like, zero. No, um, not at all. Not unlike the Dallas results or the first Philly result. You know, New York was going so sideways that I'm not surprised at all that Washington – one by more than two scores. And honestly, if they converted a couple of third downs early on the giant side of the 50 might've blown them out badly. So I'm not surprised at all by that. I'm glad Heineke played. I thought Antonio Gibson was outstanding today. I'm happy for him. He got to a thousand yards. I'm happy for McLaurin. He got to a thousand yards. Um, And I don't like, like you, I don't think there's a lot to take away specifically from this game. They were just, the giants were beat up. They're down to their, you know, third, fourth quarterback. And offensively, they're fully, full-on inept. And so I'm just they're not bad. No, and I want to st- – I'm going to go to Antonio Gibson because I think that's one of the takeaways for me is how he ran. And there was one drive – I went back before the end of the game because I can go back and watch some of the replays during the game um, on next-gen stats and all that. So when I went back and there was a drive where we had like 11-yard run, 7-yard run, like a 16-yard run, something like that. But this impressed me on that drive, and it was also throughout the game. His patience on those, uh, the the outside zones and stretch or whatever, um, his patience there was terrific and probably the best I've seen all year. And just the pace he went with and then pressing the hole, and he consistently got the linebackers to over-pursue. And it, it allowed for cutback lanes. Now, the line did a really good job in that, but I felt like it started – the land was good. The line was good, but for Gibson – it was his patience, and then when he saw it, boom, he was decisive and cut back. And that's the big thing I take away from this game for him is can he do that consistently? Was he improving over the second half of the year? Because when they won games, he was having good games. Um, you know, So I think that was my takeaway was his progress and then watching him run today, I thought that was really good. Yeah, he's a very dangerous player. I mean, like, and, and I, I, you know, I like the upside of him, and I – like to see, you know, next year and beyond, how do they utilize them? I don't think they 
specifically thought he'd just be a primary running back. There's a lot of, and this is, you know, probably for another day, but there's a lot of best laid plans that did not play out this year. Defense clearly didn't play up to their capabilities or to their ranking or expectations. And offensively, you know, I think Gibson was going to be utilized in multiple different ways, and that just didn't play out that way this year. I think it's partially because they thought Curtis Samuel was going to play an integral, versatile role, and that didn't Yes, they did. As things materialized, things changed. Um, You know, in the end, though, like, they need him to be an every-down running back, and they need someone who can run between the tackles. They don't have anybody else to do it. And he's really turning into it. And he was dangerous today. I mean, like, understood the edges, was very patient, had one near-miraculous run where he scored almost a second touchdown, you know, to the end of the game. Just, you know, so he's a playmaker for sure. And um, you know, I, like, I thought they asked a lot of him this year. I thought they asked actually too much of him, honestly, if I'm being honest about it, I think if we talked about this before, I thought they asked too much of him. Um, but he really, really played really, really, really well today. And for those who want to say like, well, he got over a thousand yards in 17 games. He didn't play last week. Okay. So he did it in 16. <laughs> yeah. And, and listen, I think there were a lot of games where the running game, you have to abandon it because the score. And so I get that. Um, he wasn't healthy for a lot of the year. I just I liked what I, what he showed today because I felt like that was progress. That that patience is a big thing that they've been talking about with him to do that consistently, and he showed that. And I like I said, I felt the cuts were decisive, um, and I feel you know. And Ron Rivera said this after the game that he felt like he was he had been running comfortable and confident. And I asked him, well, what does that mean? What do you see when a guy is running like that? And he said, well, when he when he hits the ground, he wants to bounce back up and not take himself out of the game. He wants to stay in and get more carries because he's in a good rhythm. And I think we – and and, and uh, there, are the, there are other times, Bram, too. What I also liked is on some of those plays, Cosme's getting to the linebacker. Then you have Bates on a sip block getting the tight end – or getting the defensive end and taking care of him. So some young guys helping the young running back as well. So that I thought was good. McLaurin does what he does. Um, I think the value in him is always on little plays like the, you know, knocks the ball free for that would have been picked off. Now, funny thing is after the punt, it left him with worse field. It left the Giants with better field position, but it was still a heads up play by McLaurin. And what do you think they do with him this offseason as far as an extension? What do you, what's your, do you have a gut feel on, on as to how that might go with him? Yeah, I think they're going to extend him or at least offer it to him. And I, I don't get any kind of sense or gut feeling that he doesn't want to be here. So um, I think he's, I get the sense he's all in, Um, you know, does he want to know who the quarterback is next year? If I were him, I'd want to know that. So maybe that decision will happen before they extend him. But listen, I mean, like the reality is they have his contractual rights for next year. If they have to, they can franchise him. So they really have him for two years And I think it's, you know, to everyone's benefit for him to be extended. He's part of the future here. Clearly, he is a number one receiver for sure. He's getting better, I think, in my opinion. And he's only scheduled to make about a million dollars next year. It would make no sense for him to, you know, do the bet on yourself and play for a million bucks. And I know Dak Prescott did this, but I don't know. Like if someone's going to throw whatever the number is going to be on a real extension with a giant signing bonus, I think you take it. So my gut is that, that he will he will do that at some point this spring, probably after we get past the draft and probably after it is a clear 
this is the direction we're going at quarterback so that he's comfortable with it, whether it's a free agent, a trade, or the draft itself. And and these things typically, as as you know, typically happen in the spring after you get through everything. No, you you get your, you know, you bring in whatever fridge you bring in. So you know your cap future a little bit better. And so if it doesn't happen until the spring, people need to remember this, that's when it typically happens. The only argument, and somebody brought this up to me on Twitter too, to getting him now is because you're going to have free agent receivers like Devontae Adams out there, and then they're going to reset that market, and then he's going to come in behind that. I now, agree. You know, that's that's one reason to get it done early, but if it doesn't get done early, I don't think people should panic. I think you need to look and say, historically, it's going to happen in the spring. And to your point, players like security, especially when you haven't made that, that big money as a first-round pick, which he hasn't. So they like security. So if you can give them security and some money, then I think they're going to try that most players talk themselves into why they want to stay somewhere. So I, I just remember back, back in the day, Bram, John Jansen, um, if you remember when Spurrier was here, they signed him to an extension, if you remember that. And I remember talking to Jansen before that, like a year before that, something like that. And he would say, like, hey, if a guy like Spurrier's here, I would never resign here. So then Spurrier's here, he resigns. And I kind of asked him, he said, security. So players like that. And so, yeah. you know, I think I think if they can offer that to him and it's a good offer, then I would think he'd stay too. Yeah, I like I agree. Like the market always just goes up. Um, but, you know, and I agree, like the Devontae Adams number, whatever, whoever it's going to be with, whether it's Green Bear, somebody else is going to be astronomical and probably the biggest in the league. And also because go look at his stats. Um, McLaurin doesn't have and uh, no. not that I'm blaming him for that, but but he doesn't. Um, and that's just reality. Like he, he doesn't have DeAndre Hopkins numbers. He doesn't have Devontae Adam numbers. And you could sit there and say, well, he's also not playing with Aaron Rodgers. And that is completely true. <laughs> but <laughs> the reality is he doesn't. And I don't know. He's a mid-round pick who's scheduled to make a small amount of money, who's going to be have a pile of money put in front of him probably sometime in the spring. Um, and I also assume he wants to be here. So I, I just I think that deal's going to get done. I, I just I would be surprised that if, if it doesn't. Now, one other guy that I want to talk about today is Jamin Davis, because we saw him on that fourth down stop on the jet sweep. Um, he played it right. He, he did his assignment, but he was aggressive with it, and he wasn't blocked. So, there, you know, was, he steps up, makes a nice tackle, big play. The other play that I really liked from him was on the last interception by McCain, where he blitzes, and he's able, because he uses his athleticism to get around collides at the back but then is able to bend around him and get into uh, Fromm's face to cause him to make a bad throw and I thought and there were there were a couple times he got that he gave up some stuff in coverage because he allowed himself to be basically screened by a tight end and and trying to cover the running back and other times he was fine with it what did you make of his day and what his season was happy for him that he made the play he made was probably the biggest play he made all year you know yeah yeah absolutely 18 to get it um, but he did. Um, you could see the reaction of his teammates that he did it. So they're rooting for him, obviously. Um, look, I like here, here's where I've landed on him. Like he clearly has a long way to go. He does not look like he's going to be the middle linebacker here anytime soon. Oh, definitely which means not. That he that they're going to spend money, I think, in free agency. That's my guess that they're going to spend money in free agency on a pure middle linebacker to try to um, upgrade that position. Cole Holcomb is an outside linebacker, and then we're going to find out where he fits in because as you'll notice, assuming Landon Collins is coming back. And I think that's an open question, but, but you know, I think he is, but until I hear otherwise, 
his contract does leave open the possibility that they may ask him to change it. And if he doesn't want to do that, then something could go Correct. sideways. But I think you're right on I that. Yeah. Say, um, just think about how often they played three linebackers. It was actually kind of rare. Correct. So I don't know exactly how he fits into their plans other than he's going to be a guy on their team now. And he's not going to fill the role that they initially thought that he would. But, um, and this is where I think I've really ended on him. He clearly has the speed, athleticism, size, all that stuff to be someone who could be a playmaker for you. So where I get really concerned is if it's a guy who doesn't have intangibles that you can utilize and also looks like he's kind of slow to catch up to where he needs to be to do it at the highest level. So I, I think he's a, I will leave it at this. I think he's a work in progress, but he's not one that you pass off as like, Oh, it's a miss or a bust or anything like that because he looks, feels the part. So if at some point he does develop, um, he's the type of athlete that can be a difference maker, but clearly it didn't happen this year. And clearly he's not filling the role that they initially thought he would. So that's a really interesting question for Ron Rivera. What is his future here? And right. I'd like to hear what the answer to that is. Oh, and I definitely think it's on, it's definitely on the outside. And to your point, like this, is, I go back to the draft, like the guy that I thought that I thought they should pick. And I thought they might slash would pick is a Wusu Koromoa who went to Cleveland, who would be a really good fit for what they want to do um, on the outside because, but they took Davis with the hope that they could turn him into him, that he could play inside. And it's clear that he's not, he's not an inside guy. They will look for somebody inside. And I think, you know, today he showed some stuff and I think it's good for him to close on a, on a strong note, especially Bram too, from a personal note, after what he had gone through the last couple of weeks, because he was at that accident site with the Shazer Everett. He saw what happened. Um, he, you know, he saw the aftermath of what happened. And I think the, the, he was out to dinner with them before all that happened. So he had to go through a lot with that. So I think from a personal standpoint, it was good to see him close on a strong note from an on-field standpoint next year. I'm with you. Like, I, I think if you have those three linebackers, it does give you some flexibility, even with Landon Collins here. But somebody's role is not going to be the same because you can't play Landon as much as you did if you want to play Jamin Davis more. Correct. So, and right. you know, I'm with you. So I don't know where he exactly fits in. Um, I do know that, like, you know, I, I think back to the draft now, and ultimately I think what ended up happening was, one, he's, he's a really smart, nice kid. Like, so yeah. there's that. Got this military background. So I can see where when they interview. Size, speed, athleticism too. They love him, right? And then when you go, go watch his tape from Kentucky, pops off the screen. Like, he's, he's one of those kind of athletes. And so – they met him. They like him. They love his background. They think he's a character guy. And oh, by the way, he has these, and you saw it finally on that fourth down play, like, oh my God, you know, like when you have people that can do things like that, but it took 18 weeks to have one of those. Right, and by the way, you know, they've benched is a strong word, but they didn't play him very much. And part of that was because of the scheme. And part of that was the personnel. And part of that was he didn't earn a job, you know, right. like a, of these spots so you know again like like this is a this is a really hard one like it, it, this happens you'll often see it with receivers i think this is happening in real time in philadelphia with jalen rager where you, when you watch him you're like dude that guy's fast right and he totally looks the part and he doesn't make any plays and you go all right well how long is this going to go on for and so with jamie davis i think year two is going to be very telling with yep 
okay, where do they slot him in now? You know, and I think that's a really big question for Rivera. You know, when he's honest with us, what do they think now? How are they going to use him? You know, they're not moving on from him. They're not passing it off as like a mistake, but clearly he's not what they thought he was going to be. And they got to figure something out, but there's an upside. There's an obvious upside. He's big and fast, you know, so they got to figure out how to use him. Right. And I think because, you know, Cole Holcomb's contract will be up after next year. I think they'd want to keep him, um, but they like they like Cole on the outside, which is why, again, they'll bring in a middle linebacker um, in some way. Um, So but, yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. Taylor Heineke finished with just kind of a whatever game. I think we're both in agreement about what his future is here. I mean, I clearly he's a he's a backup here. Um, What do you what, what do you think he showed this year? You know, I think it's funny. I think um, had they won those kind of marginal games that we've agreed, they kind of let get away, like last week's Philadelphia game, the Denver game, the New Orleans game, and somehow snuck into the playoffs. I think there would be a pretty big drumbeat that he should come back as the starter, honestly. Mm -hmm. But because they didn't, um, you know, now we're sitting here going, well, they've got to do something else. And after hearing Ron Rivera literally say out loud, we'll do what we need to do at quarterback, Um, I think he is openly saying, I know it's year three. I know I've had two under 500 seasons. I know that there's reasons why, um, but I know you don't want to hear it. And I also know that we need to get better at this position. And therefore, we're all ears this time. And we're not going to be as stingy with our assets. We're going to, quote, do what we need to do. So however I feel or you feel about Heineke, I think he is running into um, a period of time where the timing isn't right for him to be given the keys to the car, because I don't think that there's enough patience on the other side, because if they did go that direction and they do end up 500 or not in the winning, not buying for the division or not in the playoffs again, I think Rivera would put his job in jeopardy over something like that. He knows it. So, you know, I think he's part of the future of the franchise. I think he's probably their primary backup at worst. And he's potentially a spot starter, but I expect, I don't expect just competition for him. I expect a pretty obvious, this person is expected to be the starter day one, however they acquire that person. And I haven't quite come around to how I think they're going to go about acquiring it because you could make any case to me and I would believe you, whether it's draft, free agency or a trade. Yeah, there's so many scenarios right now that we'll get into all those as as the offseason starts to unfold. But for him right now, and the one thing I've always liked about Heineke is the attitude because he's been asked now about his future. And he's like, I just want to be a part of a team, whether it's a starter or a backup, I want to be part of a team. And, you know, we, what we know about that kid is, is a, is a really good competitor to the point where I think this summer he felt like he should be starting ahead of Fitzpatrick. Now, whether or not people agreed with him, that's what, that was his mindset. So he, that's how he is. So if somebody comes in to compete, I think he will help push them at least just because like you're going to have to not so much unseat him but you're going to have to he's going to be there kind of nipping at your heels a little bit if you're not taking care of what you need to so he's a good guy to have around for that reason but again I like I like the attitude that he has you know it's it's easy I do like that yeah I do too and you know a lot of I, I often hear everything is so black and white with everybody like well he didn't do this so therefore he's not here anymore no, you need to have Should a full be, roster yeah. of people. <laughs> like, and this guy, if he has not proven to you that at bare minimum, he's a very reliable, capable backup for you, then he's proved nothing to you. And right. so for me, like, 
I think he's part of the future of the franchise in the short term, for sure. And I don't know that he's not the starter next year. I just doubt that he is. So we'll see. Yeah. And I and it and listen, Bram, it depends on who's coming in here, right? If they go out and draft a quarterback at where you know in the first round, then maybe Heineke starts right away, but the other guy's gonna come on whatever. If they go out and trade for maybe. Russell Wilson, they go out and trade for Russell Wilson. Well, of course, Taylor's a backup, but you know, it just depends on it depends on what they do. If they go out and sign Mitch Trubisky. Maybe they compete for the job. You know, it could be something like that. So we don't know. But I do think he's a good guy to have on your roster. And for, for um, Washington Football Showtime that I taped with, you know, on Channel 4, David Aldridge, his point was, he goes, he said that in the last episode, he said, you know, I used to rank all the players 1 to 53. And that, you know, as far as most important to the team, one would be the starting quarterback. And he said, always in the top 10, the backup quarterback was in there. Because we see what happens if you don't have one, then it can go like if Taylor Heineke. Now, I think part of the reason they did get in there is because they don't have that kind of quarterback. But I also think that part of the reason why they won seven games is because Heineke was able to do enough to help them get there. Yeah. No, I mean, I think they won the same amount of games they did a year ago. You know, that said, I was, you know, taking the train back and, you know, CJ said something to me, our producer. He said, What playoff teams did we beat this year? Like, not unlike last year. And, we beat Tampa Bay and they beat the Giants twice who, you know, really fell apart. They beat Atlanta, didn't make the playoffs. Raiders. You know, Raiders who might, you know, might make the playoffs. We'll see how the, and as we're sitting here taping, I don't know, we'll see how things end up tonight with them. Um, but, you know, they beat the teams that were either on their level or below them. You think that they are in a better spot right now than they were at this time a year ago yes 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 and i know people are going to tell me they're not and they're going to laugh at this and think that i'm just covering the teeth it's not true yes they are far deeper than they were a year ago um they still have well until the leno signing until i see the contract they had before the leno signing 60 million dollars in cap space um and so they can absorb a large quarterback contract, if that's the direction they want to go, they can do that. There are some teams that they could pie in the sky say they want to do that, but they can't literally do it. This team can, and they even have room to move and maneuver with restructures with a couple of you know likely candidates, Eric Flowers, potentially Landon Collins. They can even maneuver around and find more room if they want to. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not disillusioned. I know that they have a lot of holes to fill for sure. You know, like, and I'm actually quite worried about the offensive line on the assumption that Brandon Sheriff is not going to be here based on his contractual demands and their probable unwillingness to give it to him. But like, you know, outside of that, like I look around and I go, okay, you go find a capable quarterback. And that's why I'm more inclined to believe they're going to get a veteran, not draft one. Right. But you get a capable quarterback in here. Um, and, with the room that they have and hopefully a little, you know, better luck with injuries and all the COVID stuff. I don't know that you don't sit there and go, this is a, you know, this is a team with an over 500 record, if not better than that. So I think they're in a way better position than they were a year ago, but you know, they got, they got to get it done (laughs) and you know, they got to prove it. And until other, until shown otherwise, you know, that's just, it's all talk, but no, I, from a roster perspective, I don't even think it's, close honestly in in what kind of position that they're in to potentially take a leap next year well the one thing i always go back to too if at the beginning of the year if somebody had said listen logan thomas is going to play half year if it's going to play half a game 
Um, J.D. McKissick's going to miss almost half the year. Curtis Samuel is not going to contribute. The first round pick isn't going to do, is not going to be a, um, an impact player. Chase Young only plays half the year. Exactly. What do you think the record would have been? I would have thought they'd be like the giants, not what they, and not to like, not to like sit there and throw a parade for them. I'm just trying to find some perspective on it because I always kind of like to do that. Like what, how, if it had played out this way at the beginning of the year, if I knew that, what would I have picked as a record? Well, it's, I don't think I'm picking seven wins. So I think they were better able to withstand some of what they went through because they did have better depth. And, you know, I, I don't know if there's, you know, substantially better. I don't know because they, the biggest thing is without a quarterback of the future, we don't know what is the full potential of, of this team. But I think the defense is in a better spot if they can find the one piece, which is a middle linebacker. They also played a first place schedule. Yeah. And, you know, off of a seven and nine year, which I think is what's much better quarterbacks they faced. Much better. Hello. You know, like we played a first. Now they're going to play a third place schedule, right? Off of a seven and 10 year. Like normally when you have a seven and nine or seven and 10 record, that's the schedule you get next year. That didn't happen last year. So they played at Buffalo, at Green Bay. Like they they played some serious, serious competition. Um, You know, they didn't get the Lions. They got the Packers. Like that's how that kind of worked out for them. So they played a very hard schedule this year. Uh, I know people don't want to hear it, but it's the truth. Like, who you play does matter, for sure. When you play them does matter. And so next year ought to be a little different. Like, they're going to get a third-place schedule this time around. That ninth home game, that ninth game is going to be a home game next year. Like, so, you know, there are some things that hopefully will line up for them that will make things a little bit better. Until they get a quarterback answered, you know, I, I don't know how to answer what do I think about next year until I right, see who that right. is, what that is. And, but I do know they have a lot of room and a lot of money. And I just, I feel like, and, and they've said it basically, they understand that things did not, at least results wise, come out the way they wanted to. And they get it. It's year three. We all know the rhythms of the sport. It's time to make a move. And they're going to. And let's just see how it plays out. And hopefully they'll make the right moves. You know, my concern is they're going to, and I want it to come off as desperate. You know what I mean? Right. Like, should not be sitting here being like, fine, we'll give you four first round picks for this quarterback because they feel like they have to do that as opposed to last year where they felt like they had the time and they didn't feel like they needed to do that. You know, that said, like, the point of Fitzpatrick not playing, Heineke was never supposed to play this year. So <laughs> they went seven and 10 with their backup quarterback the whole year. Name the other team that did that. Like, name them. Nobody else did that. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, I think your point about de- being desperate, you don't want to be that because then you're going to get ransacked. The other thing, like what I heard all all last off season was, you know, you, the, you know, when they're in a better spot with the roster, then they can make the aggressive move like the 49ers did, like the Rams did to get Stafford, the 49ers to get Trey Lance. The, and they, I kept hearing in a year or two when they're in that spot. So I, I don't know yet how they view this roster, if they feel like it's completed enough to make a really bold move, or do they have to still be a little bit like, Hey, we'll give you a good offer for Matt Stafford. We'll get it done. Maybe, maybe not. So I think yeah. that'll be, that'll be interesting to see how they judge the overall roster. Cause I do think in some areas they are definitely better. And I'm with you the offensive line, get some more athleticism in there as you and I have talked about that, you know, and that's, that's going to be a big thing. I think that just happened. And the other thing too, and here's the accountability part of this. They came into the 
day ranked 27th on defense. And I know they miss some people and significant ones, but that's not acceptable. No, that's not, not with the personnel that they have at the age that they have with the draft stock that's been spent on them off of the season they had before. But this partially does go back to, they were ranked in the top five last year and they played a schedule that ended up being weak. And this year they're ranked in the bottom five of the league playing an extremely hard schedule this year against a lot of playoff teams, a first place schedule that's going to flip again. That said, the defense has to be way better and way better. The second half of the season, fine. You know, like they were missing a lot of people and they actually played, I thought up to about their capability just based on who they were missing, but that does not absolve the first half of the season. No, it does not. Bottom five defense legitimately. They were, atrociously bad on third down i saw some stat the other day i couldn't even believe popped up they were worse on third and four through six than they were on third and one through three yeah like that's ridiculous their third and long defense was historically bad for six seven games running like that's on them and that's why they ended up in the hole that they got in and that's why when all the things happened at the end of the year and we were making excuses for them we were saying, okay, this was out of their control, but you know what wasn't the first eight games Correct. of the season? And had they not gotten the hole that they gotten into, they might have been able to weather some of that stuff Correct. and come out outside at least as a wild card team. And right. so I don't absolve them of that. And so therefore, I'm not calling for anything here, but I'm sorry, their roster on that side of the ball is way better than the 27th rank in the yes. NFL. They be better than that. Absolutely. And, and I do think like they started playing a stretch starting the Green Bay game up until um, around that first Dallas game or right after where they played pretty well and then other stuff hit. But I agree with you. You go back to the beginning of the year and the problem that I had is just they were, they were so reliant on creating pressure with a four man rush to give them an advantage of coverage and the coverage wasn't very good and the rush wasn't getting home consistently. And it led to a lot of those third down issues when Chase Young and Montez Sweat went out, they got more aggressive better on third downs, more blitzing on third downs. And you know what I'd like to see next year is take that same approach with Young and Sweat in the game and then see how that plays out with the pressure. Put those guys and, you know, quit, quit seeing the double teams and chips. Put them in situations where you can't do that a lot. And so I think that's one of the big things I think they need to take away from this is to find more ways to create pressure with those guys on the field the way Dallas does. I love watching what Dan Quinn did in, did in Dallas with that group. He had a lot of good, talented rushers, but he was aggressive with them. And, you know, I think they, I think that was a big problem when you look back on the first part of the year. So um, the other big thing you know is what, all- though, there's one other thing about the defense. And, and in the end now, the way I feel about it was everybody, and I mean everybody, got two into their own headlines. Yes. Like defensive line being told to the best defensive line ever. You know, to when they're walking around telling everybody we're going to break sack records in the preseason and they're not playing in coordination with one another, which, you know, was labeled, quote, maturity problems, you know, early in the season. And I don't listen, I blame the coaches, too, because what did they do early in the season? They decided they were going to because this defensive line was so great, not bring a tremendous amount of pressure and just let them go get the quarterback and play off and play off. Yeah, they're like, It was the double whammy of all double whammies. The teams were were getting third and 10 to third and 14 first downs regularly because nobody was pressing anything and they were only rushing four. It was as if everybody read the headlines and believed it. And it wasn't until it was like 
they got lit up by people like Herbert and a couple of other quarterbacks early where they recognized, okay, like we need to switch things up here. And a lot of different things occurred with position changes with Landon Collins and moving Cam Carl around. And I think a little, you know, come to Jesus stuff with the defensive line about, hey, you know, like you got to stop reading your headlines and start coming together and playing like a coordinated unit. And all of that stuff kind of turned and, you know, and the defense got better, but it was too late. Like they had lost too many games. And so I think, you know, to your, you know, your example of the Cowboys, like, there is no better motivation than when everybody tells you you suck. Right. And that happened to the Cowboys last year. They just told Demarcus Lawrence, Trayvon Diggs, you know, they go get Micah Parsons, Leighton Vander Esch, all those defensive linemen. They're telling them last year, you guys are historically awful. You're a laughing stock. And this year, guess what's not going to be written about the defense? How great they are. Because they weren't. No. So you won't no. be writing those stories again. No, and now it's going to be back to a all right, show me how good you are. Yeah. And I think that's better off for Washington going into next summer. Yeah, and I think I think they also started – one thing I want to see next year, I, th- I feel like in the first two years with the staff, they've been slow to sometimes recognize what certain guys can or can't do or how they should be playing, why Landon Collins wasn't moved, his role wasn't changed, you know, after a couple games, let alone after about four or five, which is when it was. You know, why, why was that? And I think part of that is, and this goes back to preseason, not playing your starters a whole lot. If you're not going to do that, bring in another team for a joint practice. And I think they will this year because I think they realize exactly what I just said, that you've got to find out about some of these guys sooner so you're not learning during the season what they can or can't do or what they should or shouldn't be doing. William Jackson brought here to play man. They, they played a lot of man early, but it wasn't the best defense for them. So when, when they started to get better, it was with more zone-type pressures. And I think uh, we wonder how that will go go, move, go moving forward. So, you know. He's another one. He's an interesting yeah. mix here. He's another one. Like, like clearly they're going to have to figure it. He's a very good athlete. So, like, they're just going to figure it out. And hopefully in year two, he'll be more comfortable in general. But that one didn't go well either. They spent well, a lot of money on him. That one did not go well either this year. No, it didn't. And he and he had to you know people who know him knew that he would struggle in zone coverage. And he still was adapting that even when he got hurt, even though that they felt he was playing better, he was still adjusting to playing more of that. And you could just tell he wasn't as comfortable the way with his depth when he was when he was covering if he was on one side, when he was on one side and Kendall Fuller was on the other, watching the same zone, Kendall Fuller was a lot more comfortable. Jackson would be backed off a few more yards and give up cushion underneath because he's afraid of, he didn't want to get something beat deep. And it just it was messing with his head a little bit. But I think like he just wasn't as comfortable in there. And I don't know if he ever will be. So I think, well, you know, I think he was fine, but they needed more than fine out of him. All right. Well, the last big thing for this, for that came out last week was the name announcement about coming out February 2nd. You're longtime Washington Redskins fan, Washington fan. You have a preference? No, not really. I mean, you know, I'm not hanging on to the name anymore. It's been a year and a half, you know, and it's been two seasons and I know it had to be changed. Um, it's still, you know, there's part of my childhood that got yeah. <laughs> kind of stopped on a little bit. Yeah. I think you probably went through the same thing with the Cleveland Indians, yeah, you know, absolutely. It's, it's hard to let go of something like that when it means something that much to you, but I'm, you know, I'm not like the crying yet. It's fine. You know, like they had to make a change. All I wanted all along was 
one, take your time with the process. I never felt there was a rush. I'm glad that they did. Two, don't let go of the just legacy. Don't turn the page. Don't give them a ridiculous meme name and, you know, change everything about them and pretend that the first 90 years of the organization didn't exist. Do something that is emblematic of the city, I hope, you know, like, and I think there were a lot of options there. And so I always felt like it was logical that they would land on something that was branch agnostic in the military. And that's what I expect it to be, you know, whether it's commanders for commander in chief or some kind of nod to the military or admirals, which is not branch agnostic, but doesn't really exist in professional sports. I know it does in, you know, some lower tier hockey and some other places too, but if that's where it ends up, like, you know, I, I, I think I'm okay with all this stuff and, you know, it'll all grow on all of us. From what I can tell, the only thing I know about, I don't know what the name is. And for all I can tell about the, all I've told, all I've been told, especially over this weekend when I was around a lot of people around the team was that everyone loves the uniforms, like everybody. So whether everybody loves the name or not, you know, I'm sure there's gonna be a lot of people, you know, that are, you know, will like it. Some people put up with it. Some people won't like it. Like that's, you can't win. But the uniforms and the look and whatever the logo is, that's what's really going to stick and matter. Exactly. And so, so I'm interested to see what that looks like in the end and, and, you know, what they end up going with. And, you know, I fully expect it honestly to be, I'd be surprised if it's not commanders or admirals, but again, I don't, I don't know what it is. So I'm, right. I'm like you find out. But I agree with you. First of all, I'm, I'm with you. The, the, there's a lot of smoke around commanders, football team. No. And they, I think they pretty much view that as a boring name. You can't, it's hard to parlay that into um, great marketing and logos. So that, that's why that one's out. But the key, like you said, the key uniforms and logo, because people are going to dislike the name regardless of what it is. But if you can, and I know that part of the thinking there is if you can, you can, you have a better chance to hook them with the uniform, the logo than you do with the name initially. And then, you know, maybe you'd be that as the, the, the bait to reel people into the name. And so I think, yeah. you know, what's so funny about it too. Like I think about these iconic names that are out there, like the Packers or the Red Sox. And I keep thinking like, if you named a team that now people would mock you. Like you'd be <laughs> like, what? you know, in the meantime, they're as iconic names as it possibly possibly be in sports i just hope they do something that's emblematic of the area like yeah and that's why i'm glad it's not red wolves that never made sense to me and i'm like that, that i don't know if that animal exists if it does it's not indigenous to here and it just felt like i i understand there's a lot of fans that liked it but i know i just didn't so <laughs> it doesn't make any sense to me like how does that represent the washington football team in what way other than you like it and you know some people who have pretty good graphic design skills like i just never i never got that so that's why i've always wanted something that felt dc football legacy honor tradition all that type of stuff and and so i i'm hoping that you know whatever they come up with that that's what it is and if it is a nod to the military that's logic that logically makes sense to me honestly yeah and i think i think the key is to maintain the tradition and the legacy of it because as you brought up like i'm an indians fan and they changed it to guardians and it's it's going to be very different um and to your point what you said about that too is i have a cousin who grew up in detroit and his dad my uncle grew up in northeast ohio was an indian fan lived in michigan for a long time son's a tigers fan but they did have a connection with the indians as well because his dad maintained that and one of the day they announced the change of the name, my cousin texted me a, an Indian's bobblehead. And it's like, 
it, it hurt him because his dad died in April and he felt like something else was taken away from him with that name change. So that's just, and that's just kind of an aside. I think that's a lot of things that what people are going to go through with it, but that's why I say you need to get the logo right to me. Like, you know, I, I know people complain about the length of time and as somebody in Cle from Cleveland, I wish the Indians had taken more time to come up with something, to be honest. Um, but I think you, if you, if you take the time and get the logo right, you've got a chance to make it work. If you don't get that right, and if you come up with some crazy name, then you're going to be, you know, you're going to set this thing back uh, too much. So we'll see. You know, I'm, I'll be glad when it's over, Bram. That, that's all I know. So all of them uh, are real. Yeah, it, yes. I'll tell you what, it was surreal saying today multiple times on the broadcast and for the final time this is the washington football team like yeah. that was a real the real thing to do to say like for the final time they're kicking off i actually thought it was quite apropos that they were playing the giants that is one of the very few franchises that will have played this team under every single name that it's had the boston braves the boston redskins the yeah. washington the washington football team and now whatever they're going to be the new york giants played them in 1932 i thought yeah. it was actually it kind of made sense that like yeah. who they were playing today that if for the last time this is what you're going to see and i was looking down on the field and there are these you know very old you know they kept the kind of classic look of that white jersey and that burgundy pant and the burgundy helmet and yes it was gold numbers and not the indian head that used to be there but it was pretty close you know to it and i really for the you know really for the first time since all this transition started i looked down and i went that's the last time I'm going to see them like that. Yeah. And that, that was surreal. And, and it was, that was, that one, that one really got me nostalgically, like looking down and going, wow, they really are going to be very different when they come out here next summer. Yeah. Cause if the uniforms, I'm curious to see that too, because one of the things that when we'd be at games and I'd see somebody in a, in a Washington Jersey and from behind, I didn't know if it was an old Redskins Jersey or if it was a current football team Jersey because it was the colors and the look was the same. And I think that probably gave some comfort, but I do do I do wonder how much people are just ready for something, not so much to move passes because I know there's an element that does not want that. I get that, but if you're going, you know, to have maybe a, a spruced up version of what you had, maybe I don't well, know. I think it was, anyway, I mean, like honestly, like that look that they've had today, and really when they were the Redskins a couple of years ago, they've had the same look since I was a kid. Like yeah. they've never really, I mean, there was tweaks here and there and they did throwbacks, you know, here and there, but it was the same look. Like how many other teams can actually say that? Like the Cowboys basically have had the same look, you know, for 30, 40 years and, you know, have had throwbacks and all that stuff, but they haven't really upgraded their uniform all that much. It's the same look. Watch the bears, I guess the bears haven't really done it. I guess the Raiders haven't really done it. There's not a lot of them though. Most of them have gone through, even teams like the Eagles and the Giants, you know, throughout my lifetime, yeah. have gone through pretty major look changes. Patriots, Bills, major Bills, Jets, what? Patriots, major Bengals. look changes. Jets. Yeah, all of them. They all like kind of, the Rams don't look anything like they used to. The 49ers right. jerseys are way different, you know, mm -hmm. than they they used to be, and they've kind of gone back to what they used to look like. Like we've never done that, and and now like now it's not even just like that they're changing and modernizing, which was overdue. They're going to be a completely different thing and you know i'm glad they're keeping the colors but they're not gonna look anything like they used to look so yeah. it all really is finally i think hit me that it's really changing changing you know this yeah. this summer big time so well brown will end on that one and thanks a lot for joining me after every game and i think you know it's it's been another quite a season so but we'll talk soon because i want to do some more stuff going over the roster and even more detail about certain guys so but i appreciate you coming on as always
Yep. See you. That's it for this episode. Thanks to Bram for joining me and thank you for listening after all these games this season. I know it's not always easy. We try to bring you honest analysis each week after the games. That means you don't always tear down and you're not always jumping on the latest narrative either. I'll be back with another episode Tuesday night or most likely Wednesday morning. Remember, the podcast will continue all off season as we start doing some roster analysis and also looking forward. Talk to you next time.